with us. It's going to be an awesome day this morning. I just want to start the morning out just by praising God for who he is. He is unchangeable. He's unshakable. And we just need to lift our voices this morning and praise him because he is worthy of our praise. If you would just sing with me right now, let's just sing to him this morning. You are not a God created by human hands. You are not a God dependent on any mortal man. You are not a God in need of anything we can give. Your plan, that's just the way it is. Sing that verse
Well, it's awesome to know that in the midst of a world that is changing and in the midst of a world that has complications and ups and downs, that we have a God uh, who is constant and he's always there for us and his love for us never changes. Even when we change and make a mess of things, God is still there and he is unchanging. I want to thank you for gathering with us today and whether you're online or whether you're in person, we're thrilled that you're here. And if it's your first time today, we want to thank you for being here. If it's your first time online, we want to thank you for engaging with us online and whether you're online or whether you're in person, we have a gift for you, and we would love to give that to you. So if you're online, just give us a shout out and say, hey, here, it's my first time here, and then just message us, and and we can uh, get a gift to you, because we'd love to send that to you. If you're in person, we want you to stop by the Connection Center before you leave today, right out on Main Street, just through these doors. Uh, Go to your right, and uh, we have a gift that we would love to send uh, home with you, and we'd love the opportunity to connect with you and learn more about you and what's going on in your life and how we can serve you. Well, we have some things that are very exciting that are ahead, that are, are coming our way, and we want to tell you uh, about those. This week, a uh, couple of opportunities uh, to help serve our community. Uh, Ghost and Goblins event is uh, taking place at the park uh, this coming weekend, and we always partner with them and, and help them, uh, and we have a booth there, and we, we meet needs uh, in, in the community by partnering with uh, different organizations and uh, having opportunities to serve. If you would like to help uh, with that, see Mary Knauer. She is taking care of setting some things up uh, over there, but if you would like to bring in some candy so that we can kind of bag it up and put some information about the church and different things that are taking place here, if you could bring some of that in and do that prior uh, to Wednesday this week, that that would be a help. And if you want to bring some candy with you next week for another outreach opportunity that's taking place in Danville uh, that we've got a group that's going out to serve at, please go ahead and bring some individually wrapped pieces of candy. We'll get those prepped and passed out uh, for another outreach uh, trunk or treat that's taking place uh, at uh, Danville Park uh, in just uh, another week or so. With that in mind, I want to also remind you that uh, there is a, a memorial opportunity uh, this Saturday, uh, the 23rd at the AJA with the, the Xander Memorial uh, Tournament, and uh, that is... Uh 
in memory of Matt Alexander, a high school graduate uh, of Avon High School, lost his life uh, just a, a few weeks, well, a few months ago, uh, back in the, the FedEx shooting. He was one that, that was there, uh, and uh, his family is connected to our church. Brian Nugent has worked hard with that family and uh, meeting needs, uh, and we want to be there. Uh, so if you would like more information uh, about donations, uh, anything for a silent auction that you might uh, want to, to uh, make available to them, uh, there are ways to do that. And you can find more uh, out about that online at the AJAA, uh, and you just Google that, and that, that'll come up, or you can talk to me, you can talk to Brian uh, afterwards. But if you would like to help uh, and serve that family and, and the future uh, of, of what's taking place there uh, and make a difference, we would encourage you to get involved with that. Well, some long-term announcements. Uh, coming up in just a couple of weeks on Sunday, November the 7th, Gary Varvel is going to be speaking. And a few weeks ago, he spoke uh, when I was gone, and he said, you know, I wish it was like Mark 13's week. And I said, we'll get there. And, and the day we're getting there is Sunday, November the 7th. So he volunteered to cover Mark 13 on the, the November the 7th, and uh, he's going to be doing that. Then a little while later in November, uh, we have Scott Davis, Christian comedian and singer. It, the last Sunday, last Sunday, Sunday of November. Uh, so it's going to be a time together where we kick off the Christmas season, right? Now, I know that that's kind of scary to think about that we're already getting there, uh, but we are. So, so let's be ready for it and let's have a good time. And that'll be an incredible time as we gather together on that day. There are a couple of other things that I want to remind you about that are very important. This Wednesday evening at the close of our, our Wednesday evening Bible study that we're, we're going through, uh, we're going to uh, have our, our quarterly business meeting, which is just a, a review of where we're at and where we're going, that sort of thing. But also, uh, we're coming up to the time where it's deacon nomination time. Uh, and uh, we, we accept nominations from those that will be present uh, in, in the the. Uh, meeting, and you can come at the, the end of the Bible study. Bible study starts at 7. You're more than welcome to come. Uh, it's a specific class that, that, we're, that we're walking through, uh, but we'll make it available online through Zoom as well. That's Wednesday evening in Founders Chapel. Uh, the Bible study starts at 7. Uh, business meeting will officially start at 8 o'clock, and it's just a time, again, where we update you what's taking place with the church, and, and in this meeting particular, we take nominations for uh, deacons. We have two spots uh, available for that, and a deacon is just a, a faithful servant of the Lord that comes alongside uh, our staff and, and our leadership and our ministries and says, hey, we want to serve uh, the body of Christ together, and, and that's what, what a, a deacon does, uh, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that uh, as we close out the service today. Uh, so those are just a several things that are taking place that we need to be aware of and have on our radar. But most importantly, uh, we're gathering today and we're asking God for his help. Uh, we're asking him to encourage every one of us and to be all that he wants us to be. And today uh, we're walking through Mark chapter 10. We're just going to take a look at what Jesus uh, talks about with his disciples in many real life situations. And we're going to boil it all back down to heart issues today, uh, things that, that are, are going on in our heart uh, that God has the answer for and that he can use to make a difference. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and uh, we just ask you, Lord, to be with us. I know that there are many needs today. Lord, I think of Vicki Robinson. Um, I just got notification a short while ago that uh, Larry had taken her to the hospital yesterday. Don't know all the details, but, but Lord, you do. And uh, we're asking you to, to take care of her, uh, to strengthen her. Lord, I, I just ask for others that are, are sick and struggling, that, that are having health issues. Lord, those that are just struggling with, with life, 
uh, everyone, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, over the past 18 to 20 months has been through an incredible amount of change, difficulty uh, emotionally and, and mentally and physically, and uh, Lord, through jobs and different things. And uh, Lord, I just ask that you would uh, be with each and every one of us. And, and Lord, I pray that uh, today we'll listen to your word, Father, that we'll break it down and, and we'll be able to apply it to our life. And God, I just ask that you'll help us to live our life differently when we leave this place today because of what we hear, what we sing, and what we gain insight on from your word. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Stand with us one more time this morning as we continue just to praise him for who he is. As we go through the gospels, we're getting up to Mark 16 eventually. And, and God says, I give you my power so you can go and make disciples. That same power is available to us today. And that's what this song is all about. As we sing, just lift your voice this morning because he's a great God worthy of our praise this morning. Sing with me right here. I can see the waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. Yeah. 
in our lives, we forget how great our God is. And that same transformational power is available to us right here, right now. If you haven't got a hold of that this morning, sing this song from your heart. We haven't sang this song in a long time, but he's still a great God. Amen. Sing with me right here. The splendor of the King. Picture it. Clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide. At his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God! Oh, sing with me! How great is our God? All will see how.
it first. Oh, how great is my God. How great is my God. Oh, sing with me. This morning, Father, I'm thankful that you are who you say you are. You are God alone. You're unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable. And Father, I'm just humbled this morning in your presence. And Father, as we could just continue to go through the book of Mark and learn more about your life here on earth, how you're an inspiration, how you're an example, how you're the perfect gift that we needed. Father, I pray that you just open our hearts. Open our minds to your word this morning. Send the Holy Spirit in to convict hearts and change lives. Father, I thank you and praise you for who you are and how you love us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we've been going through the, the book of Mark, and we're in a series entitled Remarkable. And it's just taking a look at, at the story and the life of Jesus, who he is, how he lived, the, the things that he did, the, the things that he would say and work in, in the hearts and lives of other people. And as we've been on this journey together for, for weeks and, and, and weeks now, well, we've taken a look at many things that Jesus did. We, we've watched, watched kind of as we've gone through the scriptures, just watch it come to life off the page as to, to how Jesus would walk through a crowd and, and meet a need. And how Jesus would walk through a, a crowd of, of busy people and while other people were, were pushing them away, Jesus would say, no, you, you can let them come unto me. And, and Jesus was there and he was present for them and, and he would meet the need that was in their life. We've, we've witnessed how he was able to feed the, the multitude, thousands of people in one setting and, and have leftovers. Yet we've also witnessed the times where people would come and ask a question that seemed like a difficult question and everyone was kind of hinging on what his response would be. Well, today we get to Mark chapter 10. And we noticed a shift a, a few weeks ago in, in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus not, on, not only was doing good things, but he began to talk more about why he came. And we're going to see that show up in Mark chapter 10. But as we get into Mark chapter 10, really what happens is someone comes unto Jesus and, and they say, look, could you give me uh, your insight on 
marriage. So, so today, we're going to kick off this uh, section of, of Mark chapter 10, and we're going to walk through the chapter, but we're going to talk about what Jesus has to say about marriage and, and a topic uh, that, that, that really impacts all of us. It impacts our, our families, it impacts our homes, it, it impacts society and culture. And there's this group of people called the Pharisees and the scribes, and they come and they're asking a question to Jesus, and, and they really don't get the answer that they've expected to get. How many of you have ever asked a question only to get an answer that's completely different than what you thought? Yeah, we, we've all been there. We, we thought we had it. We, we, we knew the direction we were going. We knew the outcome we wanted. And we think, man, I'm almost there. And then everything changes. Well, that's what's going to happen in Mark chapter 10 as this question is asked. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 10. If you've got your Bible or something with your Bible on it or the words will be up on the screen, I just want to encourage you to follow along as we take a look at what Jesus has to say. In Mark chapter 10, verse number 1, it says this, And he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And multitudes gathered to him again as he was accustomed, and he taught them again. So Jesus is just going through life, and people are following him, and he just kind of begins to share the truth about who he is, what he came to do, how he can change their life. He's teaching them things from the Old Testament. He's teaching them things about what he came to do, and there's a crowd everywhere. But here's what it says in verse number two. It says, then Pharisees, a religious group, a group of people that, that had it all together and they thought that they had every answer and they were religious leaders. It says, they came and asked him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And, and it says, testing him. They're, they're looking for a certain response. They're looking to see what Jesus is going to say. It says, and he answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of, of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. In the house, his disciples also asked him again, about the same matter. And so he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if, a, any, and if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, in this passage of scripture, there's a lot of things that, that we look at that Jesus is just having a conversation with. And it's a very conversational uh, situation that Jesus is engaged in. Now, when you're standing in front of a group of people and your wife is in the audience and you say, let me just give you a little bit of marriage advice right now, it can get a little intimidating, all right? Okay, it's, 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 sometimes it's easy to give advice and, and hard to, to, to live some of the things that, that you advise because it's always easier to tell somebody else what they knew than to, to live it yourself, right? I mean, it's easy for me to tell you how to live your life and, and sometimes it's hard for me to, to live 
my life, how the, the, the Bible teaches us to, to live. That, that's just the way it is for, for all of us, no, no matter who we are. Yet when we look at this passage of Scripture and, and we see what's unfolding and, and we walk the rest of the way through, through Mark quickly today in Mark chapter 10, here's what, what happens. Jesus takes these questions and he does something that's very important and, and we need to understand. Because when we talk about marriage, we talk about divorce in the church, many times it can be very uncomfortable. Then we throw in the word adultery and people think, man, okay, I was married and, and it didn't work out. I got divorced and, and now I'm, I'm, I'm married again. And, and, and now I'm being told I'm, I'm living in adultery or committing adultery. And, and we're going to explain some of these things in a real quick way to give us a grasp on it. And then we're going to send you some more resources throughout the week, explaining some of these things in a little more detail and, and help us be able to, to grasp it and to live it. Here's what Jesus boils this down to that, that we're going to talk about for just a moment today. The, the, the first thing that, that we want to talk about is this, marriage, divorce, and the heart. Here's, here's what's going to, just kind of everything hinges on. As we take a look at, at the question and we take a look at the response, here's what Jesus says. He says, you want to talk about marriage? You want to talk about divorce? He says, here's what I would rather talk about. I would rather talk about the heart. I would rather talk about the heart. You see, many times we think in life that we have marital struggles, we have relationship struggles, we got all these really big problems that are with someone else. It's really easy for me to blame my problems on someone else rather than to own them myself, right? I mean, it's just easier. It's always an easier out. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus is telling us in this passage of Scripture and in several others that the big struggles in life are heart struggles that go on, go on inside of you and me. So let's just walk down, down through. When, when we take a look at the question, they come and say, look, what, what does your perspective of marriage bring to the, the table, Jesus? They, they say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, what does Moses command you? Then we, we see that. But, but let's go back and take a look at what Jesus says in verse number six. Because when we, when we want to find out what God's opinion on something is, the best thing we can do is go to the, the, the first time that it's mentioned. So what does God say about marriage? And this is really, really important. It says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. They said, Jesus, what is your opinion on this thing called divorce? What is your opinion on this thing called marriage? And Jesus says, well, what does God say about it? Let, let, let's, let's go and, and take a look at, at what God says. Can, can I just tell you something today? Whether the, the topic is marriage and divorce or, or whether it is our relationships with our children or, or, or whether it is what we do on the job, here, here's what we need to do. We need to come back and say, what does God say about this? We, we need to come back to God's perspective because honestly, right now, a, a lot of our cultural struggles that, that we're dealing with that, that are unfolding before our very eyes are, are just simple things that, that we say, look, I'm going to take what God intended and I'm going to do something else with it. I'm going to take what God intended me to be, and I'm going to do something else with it. I'm going to take what God intended me to live, and I'm just going to do my own thing. And, and then here's what happens. It creates a mess. 
So, so Jesus says, okay, you want to know what I think? Well, well, let's go back and let's take a look at what God says. And he says, here's what God said. God created male and female, and he wanted them to, to be joined together. Uh, a man's going to leave and cleave. The, the wife is going to join him in that process, and the two are no longer going to be two. They're going to become one because we want them to be joined together. That was God's plan. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God's plan is a challenging plan, but God's plan is the best plan. God, God's plan requires us to, to, to dig deep and, and to sometime, sometimes dig a little bit deeper than what we thought we were able to, but here's what, what we learn. We learn that when we do things God's way, it pays off in a big way. So, so Jesus says, okay, what does God say? He says, one man, one woman, it's pretty plain, pretty simple, one man, one woman, together forever. He takes it right from Genesis chapter 2, verse Number 24. Now, what does Moses say? Here's what Moses says. They said, what, and he answered them and said, what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. So what did Moses allow? Moses, God's representative, God's leader for Israel, the one that would lead him out, and, and, and God wanted the, him to lead him into the promised land, but all the chaos and all the other things that, that would unfold and people wanting to do their own thing, here's what happened. Moses didn't get the opportunity uh, to do that, and, and people began to want to do their own thing. And they asked this question, right? This is hard for us to get because in our culture today, divorce is a pretty common thing, right? I, I, I mean, we, we see it. Okay, it happens, but can I tell you, it was an extremely common thing in the day in which Moses was living. Here's what would happen. Ultimately, a a man would would say, look, you know what? I find that lady over there a little more attractive than than my wife. I mean, you know, granted, I've gained 30 pounds in the marriage, and I've not aged so well, uh, but you know what? She's more attractive to me today. It doesn't matter what I look like. I'm just going to leave her, and I'm going to go to this other woman, and and here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to divorce my wife, but I'm not going to make a way for her to go forward with life, to be taken care of, to be protected to, to, to receive the things that she needs to be able to survive. Because women in this day and age really didn't have any rights and they didn't have any way to protect themselves. They didn't have anything that they could do to provide for themselves. So what did Moses do? Moses said, look, I'm going to slow this thing down. And these guys that just want to bail and leave, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, look, if, if you really want to leave, then this is what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to give a, a writing of divorcement saying that, that she no longer belongs in, in that marriage and that she is free to marry another so that she can go on and, and, and not only have a relationship, but so that she can go on and be taken care of in life, because without that, she's not going to be able to have a life. She's going to be left alone, trying to take care of herself, and, and there's really not going to be a way. Was Moses saying, hey, I think divorce is, is the great option? No, what Moses was saying, is, you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 24, and you, you, you look through it and walk through it, you know what Moses was doing? Moses was like saying, hey, let's slow this train down. What, what you're doing impacts somebody else in a great way. And, and the one that you're supposed to love and the one that you're supposed to cleave to, you're walking away from that commitment. You're walking away from that relationship and you're leaving them helpless and hopeless. And there's not a way for them to be taken care of. Think about that. You're, you're abandoning a responsibility, something that God said this is supposed to be for life. You're just walking away from 
So, so what does Jesus say? We take a look at what God says. God says, hey, one man, one woman for life. That, that's, that's what marriage is. God defined it. We, we take a, a look at what Moses said. Moses permitted a divorce because of the hardness of the heart. But what does Jesus say? Jesus says, okay, here's what Moses did. Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. Verse number four, verse number five, it says this, and Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Well, let's take a look at, at what Jesus had to say. Jesus said, look, here's why it happened, because of the hardness of your heart. When we read the, the rest of the, the verses, and I want to read them again, it says, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Jesus reiterates, and he says, here's, here's what happens. He says, the hardness of your heart, the issues, the struggles, the things that, that you look at and say, man, I, I can't get over this, or, or, or this beca has become an issue uh, for, for me, or the sin that creeps in, that the things that, that get there, it, it, it creates a divide, and the hardness of our heart is, is why Moses allowed that. What, what Jesus was saying is this. Jesus was saying, Moses allowed it because you refused to do what God said is best. Now, here's what we have to understand. Marriage issues, relationship issues, according to what Jesus says, they're heart issues. And where there's heart issues, there's forgiveness and there's grace that flows from God. Here's what, what Paul Tripp writes and, and says, and, I, and I, I want us to get this today, because some of us come in and, 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 and we're sitting in a, a setting like this and, and, and we're just given a, a topical gloss over, over a, a lot of the, this, this material that, that's here. Believe me, we could spend a, a lot of time and get into a, a lot of different things, but, but as we walk through it, we, we walk in and we say, you know, I'm really just not as, as happy as I need to be in my marriage, or, or I wish things were a little bit different in the home, and here's what happens. Paul Tripp writes and he says this, your marriage isn't what you expected because you're a sinner married to a sinner and you both live in a fallen world. Do you know what Jesus was saying? Jesus was saying this. He said, guys, here's why Moses gave a bill of divorcement. He gave a bill of divorcement not because he thinks divorce is great, but because you refuse to go ahead and, and turn some struggles and heartaches and challenges and sins over to God and look to him for grace and strength and guidance to work through the process. That, that's what Jesus says. Now, now, I want you to understand this. When Jesus goes and, and says, look, when, when, when you, you leave, you, you commit adultery when you get married to someone else. What Jesus was ultimately saying is this. You make that relationship that you had previously impure. That, that's what it means. To, to commit adultery is to, to make something impure. And there's a lot of ways to adulterate something, right? When we talk about adultery, all we're talking about is this. So, somebody says, look, you're, you're talking about a sexual act outside of marriage. No, what we're talking about is making something that God intended to be pure. We're, we're talking about making that impure at, at that point in time. That's what Jesus was saying. So, so Jesus is saying, look, you have a chance to have a pure relationship. You have a chance to have a right relationship. And here's ultimately what we need to do. We need to understand that when we talk about marriage and we talk about divorce, we talk about the struggles that, that complicate everything. It is a 
heart issue. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus looks and he says, God's plan was one man, one woman for life. When that doesn't work out, there is grace and there is forgiveness. But, but never forget that God's plan is the best plan. And God's way is the best way. So if at all possible, we go with God's plan. Why? Because here's a reality. When we begin to look at our life, we all have problems. We all have struggles. We all have failures. We live in a fallen world. And the reality is this. We all need God's grace. We all need God's forgiveness. We all need his redemption. Do you know doing things God's way is, is work? Can, can I just tell you, it's work. Ha- having a, a, a marriage that, that looks great, it's work. Having a marriage that is great, it's work. But you know what? It's no different than, than influencing our children according to, to the way Scripture tells us to. It's work. It's no different than, than ordering our, our life and priorities the, the way Scripture tells us to. It's work. It, it, it's a challenge. But here's the reality. It is worth it. So, so God says, look, here, here's what marriage is to be. And, and when we begin to fall short of that, here, here's what we need to do. Rather than get disappointed in the people around us, what we need to do is say, God, help me to be more of the person that you want me to be. Help me to be more of, of what you would have me to be in this setting and in this situation. Now, I know that we can't exhaust all of that in, in, in one setting, but remember this. Where there's struggles, there's grace and there's forgiveness. Where there's struggles, there's hope that comes from God. And, and when we think about marriage, when we think about divorce, Jesus himself said, it's a heart issue. He said, it's a heart issue. He said, Moses allowed that because of the heart. He says, God wants you to do this, and you can do it with the right heart. One of the things that we, we go and, and learn a little bit further in this passage is, is this. That not only does Jesus have a heart for, for mom and dad, Jesus has a heart for the children. It says, then they brought little children to him that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who, who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and, not, and do not forbid them. For such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he looked and he took them up in his arms, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. Do you, do you know what this passage tells us? It tells us a little bit about Jesus and his heart for children. Do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, let them come to me. Other people said, look, we need to keep them away from Jesus because Jesus is busy with things that are important. I want to tell you something. In biblical times, the blessing of children came when they, they came to the one that had the power to bless them and touch them. And that's exactly what happened in this passage of Scripture. Jesus said, look, the little children can, can come unto me. And, and, and here's the deal. Unless you come to me as a child with a childlike faith, you're missing out on, on what life really can be. Why, why did Jesus take time for the children? Well, it's not just because he creates them. It's because he loves them. And he says, all of us have moments where, where we need to be dependent upon him. But I think that there's something a little deeper that's 
driving it. Do you know that statistics tell us that 43%, nearly half of all people in America who accept Christ as their Savior do so before reaching the age of 13? That's 64%. That's two out of three Christians that have accepted Christ as their Savior do so before age 18. 13% after that. One out of eight people who give their life to Christ will make a profession of faith between the ages of 18 to 21 years. So we sum it all up and we say 19 out of 20 people who come to Christ do so before the age of 25. Did you know why Jesus had time for children? Because children matter. Children are impressionable. Children remember those moments. And Jesus said, no, let the children come to me. You know, moms, dads, church, everyone, we have to make children a priority. And, and, and a child's relationship with, with, with Jesus is, is very, very impactful and, and very important. And, and can I just say this? And, and I don't want to put a bunch of a pressure on, on, on people because the goal today is not pressure in marriage. It's not pressure in the family. But this passage of scripture is kind of interesting. It, 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 it walks out of a passage of, of mom and dad situation and goes right into a passage dealing with children. And Jesus is saying, look, don't make it difficult for kids to come to me. Don't make it difficult for, for, kids, for kids to get to me. Because it's tremendously important. Getting them to me at an at a early age really matters. Jesus said, I want the children to come to me and I want to bless them. And he took them up in his arms and he began to bless them. And he began to take hold of them and, and let them know that they were loved and cared for. And what greater thing could we give our life to than letting children know that they are loved by God? That's one of the reasons that we said, look, we want to start a ministry to reach out to, to families and children five days a week. That's, that's one of the reasons we, we wanted to, to serve them and, and have uh, the, the academy, so that we could make a difference in children's life as early as possible. Why? Because they need to know that they matter to God. It's one of the reasons that, that we do children's ministry that we do. It's one of the reasons we're doing outreach that, that we're doing this week and next week and other times of the year. Why? Because they matter. You see, Jesus understood something that, that, that we need to understand. Jesus understood that, that at that point in time, they had the opportunity to come to know Jesus. They had the opportunity to learn and grow in Jesus because one day, one day, they would be the leaders that Jesus would influence. Get this. I want you to understand this. We've been walking through Jesus' life in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 1 through 10. All right, Mark chapter 1 through 10, about three years of his life, yet in just a few days, a week, because once we get to Mark chapter 11, we start the last week of Jesus' life, and just before the last week of his life, he says, look, these children are there. So some of those children are going to hear that Jesus took time, and he loved them, and he spent time with them, and then they're going to see and hear that he died and he rose again. And they're going to say, wow, that, that man did that for me and he had time for me. It's no coincidence that it's all put together just like that. Think about this for, for just a moment. Jesus has a heart for children. Well, we need to ask ourselves, do, do we have a heart 
for children. You see, the disciples said, look, keep them away. Why? Because the disciples were busy. Peter and Andrew and James and John, all good people, but they said, keep them away because we've got things for Jesus to do. My needs are important. And how many times do, do we grow in the church and, and we think, man, the church is all about us, right? And, and we, need, we, we need everything for, for us. But, but Jesus said, no, I want you to understand that there's some young ones that are loved and they need to be coming to me and we need to do all we can to get them to him. Which takes us to another passage that Jesus comes along and he comes along to a rich young ruler. It says, now as he was going out to the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, do not honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to them, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have. And give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and take up your cross and follow me. But he was sad at his word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. When we take a look at where Jesus is going, Jesus says, look, do you got a heart for marriage the, the way God intended it? Do, do you got a heart for children? Because I really want to bless them. He says, do you have a heart for me, or do you got a heart for stuff? Maybe today we, we ought to ask ourselves this question. Do I got a heart for Jesus or do I have a, a heart for stuff? When, when we look at the, the rich young ruler, this, this young man that's influential, he comes and he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he looks and he says, you're the good teacher. You're, you're, you're the one that has it all together. And Jesus says, look, why are you calling me good? No one is good but God. And, and he says, well, tell me how to, to get eternal life. And Jesus says, well, what do you think you need to do? And, and, and here's what he says. He says, man, I have kept all of those commandments. He answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. So, so this guy's never lied. He's never done anything out of line in his mind because he hasn't done the, these big things. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, do you love your stuff more than you love me? He said, why don't you go and sell your stuff and, and then you'll have great reward and great... What, what Jesus was saying is this. Jesus wasn't saying, look, if you have stuff, you can't get to heaven. Jesus was asking him this. Do, do you love that stuff more than, than you love me? Because if you love that stuff more than you love me, guess what? There's this thing in the commandments that you missed where it says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And, and, and this stuff that you've accumulated and this stuff that you hold on to, here's what it's doing. It's keeping you from me. And I don't want that stuff to keep you from me. So, so here's what you need to do. You need to go and get rid of the stuff and follow me. Do you know that there's many things in, in our lives? Because real quick, some people would say, look, I'm not wealthy. This isn't, this isn't got anything to do with me. Let me ask you something. If, if we think this passage is, is about wealth, we're missing the mark. This passage is, is, is about what keeps us from following Jesus, what keeps us from, from clinging to him. And I would just ask you this today. What, what gets in the way of you following Jesus? 
What gets in the way of you, you committing your heart and your life to him? It, it might not be great treasure. It, it, it might be other commitments. It might not be great treasure. It, it might be past hurts and failures. It might not be great treasure. It, it might be that, that you think, look, I, I'm still pretty good and I do all of these other things. Do you know what Jesus is trying to tell the Pharisees that asked, hey, could you tell us about marriage and divorce and this whole adultery thing? You know what he's trying to tell us when the, when the children come to him? Do you know what he's trying to tell us when the rich young ruler comes to him? He's trying to tell all of us that every one of us needs to make room for God in our life. No matter who we are, no matter what we have, we need his grace and we need his forgiveness. And he is the one that authors eternal life. And the only way we get it is through him. We take a, a look at what this rich young ruler does. And he walks away sad. Why? Because he has all of his stuff, but he doesn't have Jesus. Well, then this kind of sets a discussion. It says, then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus gives us something to think about real quick. He says, you know what? A camel going through the eye of a needle. A million and one thoughts about it. Some people think it's a gate. Some people think that Jesus is just considering some things symbolically. But really what he's saying is, is this. The only thing that is going to keep you out of heaven is, is the stuff that we don't want to give up. And, and the stuff that we need to give up is our sin. The stuff that we need to give up is just coming to a point where we say, okay, Jesus, I'm, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior, and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, and I'm asking you to be my Savior. That, that, that's it. That's what Jesus is, is saying. And he's saying, you know what? Sometimes good people have a hard time giving up some of their good stuff. Why? Because we accumulate it, and we think it's pretty good. We think it's okay. Well, here's what Jesus says. He says, with God... All things are possible. Do you know what Jesus is going to go on in the next few verses and tell us? He's going to tell us for the third time that he's getting ready to die and, and rise again. And that's what he tells us in verse number 17 or verse number 32 through 34. Jesus tells us for a third time, I'm getting ready to die. Think about that. For a third time, 
says this. Now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was going before them. They were amazed, and, they, and as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to them. Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. Do you, do you know what Jesus is, is giving us in these verses as he tells us that for the third time in three chapters third time in three chapters this is mentioned it's not mentioned early on but now it's mentioned over and over again do you know what jesus is is giving us he's giving us a heart for the word of jesus He's preparing for Jerusalem. He's preparing for betrayal. He's preparing to be condemned. He's preparing to be put to death. He's preparing for third, the third day where he's rising again. But as he says it, each time they begin to reject just a little bit of it, but they grasp a little bit more of it. And I guess that Jesus is giving us over and over and over this concept that we need to have a heart for the things that Jesus says. Now, I know that we're covering a lot of different things this morning. We talk about marriage. We talk about blessing children. But we, we, we talk uh, about riches and stuff. And now we're talking about Jesus predicting his death, his burial, and his resurrection. All of it comes back to our heart and what we have a heart for. He's going to move on, and he's going to talk about greatness. In verse number 35 down through 46, he talks about greatness, And he says, you want a heart for greatness? Here it is. After he talks about his death, his burial, and his resurrection, get this, he's with his disciples, his closest followers, and every time he talks about dying and being betrayed and dying for their sin, do you know the conversation that follows them? They're always trying to figure it out, and do you know what they look at each other and say? Where are we going to sit in the kingdom of God? What do you think heaven is, is going to be like when we get there? Do you think that Jesus is going to have a special seat for us? And this time, James and John actually come to him, and they say, look, Jesus, we want to be great. So could one of us sit on the left and the other on the right when we get to heaven? And Jesus said, are you kidding me? You think that, that's what greatness is? Here's what, what Jesus says. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Do you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, you got a heart for greatness. He says, greatness isn't a seat, it's not a place, but it's an attitude and a disposition. That's what, that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, greatness is, is willing to put in time when, when nobody else will. Greatness is getting up be, before others and going out and, and doing what needs to be done. Jesus was, was saying, look, you, you want greatness? I, I'm, I'm giving you a picture of, of greatness. It, it's being willing to give your life for something greater. And he said, guess what? I'm I'm not doing it to get something out of it. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What's a ransom? It's a payment. And at this point in time, it wasn't a payment for someone that was being kidnapped. It was a payment for someone that needed to be purchased out of the slave market. And Jesus said, I'm coming to give my life a ransom for you. He said, you want to you be great? It starts with your heart. A heart to be a servant like Jesus. But we wrap it up quickly in verse number 46. It says, now they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with the disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, set by the road begging, 
And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man saying, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Do you know what Jesus teaches us in this last passage in Mark chapter 10? He talks about a heart for the mercy of Jesus. Blind Bartimaeus was sat there on a daily basis. He's blind, has no way to provide for himself. And he cries for, for Jesus' mercy. Why did he cry for Jesus' mercy? Why does he say, son of David, have mercy on me? Because he knows he doesn't deserve to be healed. He doesn't deserve to receive his sight. He hasn't earned it. He hasn't paid for it. But he believed that Jesus can give it. So what happens? He's crying out and he's saying, son of David, would you have mercy on me? And, and others say, look, he doesn't have time for you. You're a blind guy. And in a society, you don't have much to offer. You can't do anything. Jesus is not interested in you. Just be quiet. And Jesus hears the discussion going on. And Jesus says, hey, bring him up here. Because I want everybody to know that my mercy reaches the lowest of the low. I want everybody to know that my mercy reaches the outcast of society, the people that you want to keep from me, I'm more than happy to embrace. So blind Bartimaeus is brought before Jesus. He takes his little mat that he would have been placed on on a daily basis and he lays it aside and he goes and he stands before Jesus. And Jesus says, Bartimaeus, don't listen to the critic who wants to keep you from the mercy of me. He says, what can I do for you? And here's what blind Bartimaeus says, that I may receive my sight. And you know what the Bible says? He immediately received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. You see, a heart for the mercy and grace of Jesus is deeper than a one-time experience. He didn't just want the mercy of Jesus so that he could receive it to get his sight. The Bible says that he received the mercy of Jesus and he followed Jesus because of that mercy. He had a heart for the mercy and grace of Jesus. Do you know, blind Barnabas, he needed healing. And he knew that Jesus could give it. And he said, Jesus is, is someone that can offer it, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to trust. So here's the reality today as we look through Mark chapter 10. We look and we start off with marriage and struggles of life. And do you know what? Jesus says, I've got an answer for that. It's about a heart for God and his ways. And it's not always going to be easy, but when we follow God's, God's desires, here's what's going to happen. We can get there to where he wants us to be if we'll stay committed and allow him to do that. We look at the children, and he has a heart for the children, and he's telling us we need to have a heart for the children. He looks at the rich young ruler who has a heart for stuff, and he says, look, as long as we have a heart for stuff, all we're going to be doing is lugging around stuff, and it's going to get heavy, and here's what's going to happen. It's not going to satisfy us, because the rich young ruler said, I have all of this stuff, but I really want eternal life. 
I want hope. I want security. And I have all of this stuff, and it's not giving it to me. And Jesus says, look, you need a heart for Jesus rather than a heart for stuff. He gives us a, a picture of, of a heart for the word of Jesus as he's telling us over and over and over about his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And it's no incident. He tells us regularly. He's telling us we need a heart for what he has to say, to take it in, to listen to it, and to believe it, that he can do the impossible. He says some of you want to live a great life, and here's a heart for greatness. A heart for greatness is found in verse number 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He says that's what greatness really is. But he leaves us with a story. The heart of Bartimaeus is the heart of the mercy for Jesus. And that mercy changed his life. And he followed Jesus. And I want to tell you something. That mercy can change your life today. So whether, whether you need healing in a marriage or whether you need right relationships with children or, or whether you need to come to Christ today and invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, it all leads back to our heart and what we're allowing Jesus to do in it. No matter what it is, Jesus is the answer. And he will be the one that will walk with you each and every step of the way. So let me ask you today, what do you have a heart for? Jesus said, when we look at life and all the choices of life, when you have a heart for me, it begins to change everything. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Maybe you're here today and you would say, John, I've heard about Jesus before. I've, I've heard that he died, that he was willing to give his life that he rose again, but there's never been a time in my life where I've trusted him to be my savior. But today I would like to personally invite him to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. If that's you, you can, you can just offer up a simple prayer right where you are. Nothing magical that you have to do. It's just a moment where you say, Jesus, the best I know how I believe that you are who you say you are, that you gave your life that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again, and that you can forgive my sins and that you want to be my savior. Jesus, I'm asking you to do that. If that's your desire right here, right now, just pray a simple prayer that goes something like this. Dear Jesus, the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and I'm asking you to be my savior. And Jesus, I'm asking you to help me to know more about you and help me to live my life for you. Help me to trust you, Jesus. If you pray a simple prayer like that, Jesus is your Savior. And it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the inviting him. It's the believing in what he's already done that gives that salvation and peace. So today, if you just did that or would like to do that, I encourage you to let us know because we'd love the opportunity to help you learn more about Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you say, John, honestly, some of the things that we've talked about, I need, I need a heart change on, on some of those things. I need God's help in, in that area of, of my life. Why don't we just pray about that together right now? And while I'm praying and leading us in a prayer, you just make your prayer what, whatever it, it needs to be to the Lord as I pray. Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you. God, for all that you've done. And, and Lord, we thank you that you are the answer. 
for all of our struggles, for all of our problems. And Father, as we prepare to leave here in just a couple of minutes, Lord, as we go throughout our week, I just ask you to help us to think on some of these topics that have been addressed, that we've touched on. Lord, help us to know that we we haven't went in depth and, and that wasn't the purpose. It was to walk through what's there. God, so that we can look into your word throughout this week and and maybe dig a little deeper on our own and think about some things. Lord, I I ask, Father, that you would give us a heart, if we're married, that that you would give us a heart for the marriage that you've placed us in right now, that you would help us to to hold on to, to your word and to your principles, and God, to be the best in that marriage that we can be. Father, if if there's been a time where we've gone through divorce and, and, and Lord, it was difficult and it complicated life, help us to know that, that there is hope and, and that, Lord, that, that you don't hold those things against us, that you forgive and you give grace and that we move forward with you. Help us to, to understand that. But God, help us to hold on to your word and your principles as well and to move forward the best we can, trusting you where we are today. Father, give us a greater heart for the children and bringing them to you because we know you want to bless them and work in their lives. So, Father, help us to do that. Lord, I would just ask that when it comes to a heart for greatness or a heart for you versus stuff, whatever it might be, God, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us as we go throughout our week, as we follow you. Give us a greater heart for you, Lord. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. I want to thank you for gathering. Thank with you us for being today. a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share that, hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that He gave His life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, We're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part 
of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.